0: Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. All right, guys, I'm actually going to change this gallery view for those watching on YouTube. This is Amy Twig, and we have a guest with us today. Um, Her name is Rebecca Smith. And she is with Complete Performance Coaching. She has a master's in sports psychology. She was a gymnast. She's been a coach of gymnasts, I'm assuming, those athletes for 15 years. But she now dedicates all of her time which I can relate to, to the mental aspect of sports. And so she's had a lot of experience. She also has a podcast, Perform Happy. So check her out. But we're going to hear from Rebecca today, see what she has to tell us, what she can teach us. I'm excited to always get some new views, new ideas. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit more about you. Tell us where you're coming from, what you're um, looking forward to doing, how you're helping athletes. We want to hear it all. Go for it.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so I was a gymnast and then I coached gymnastics, and now I still um, basically cannot get myself away from the sport of gymnastics. Right. It's embedded in my soul and it will never leave. Yeah, <laughs> no matter That's I've tried and I can't shake it. <laughs> we do. Um, I mean, it's
0: like, a, it's like a, the best and worst addiction ever. We try so hard to be like, I'm not going to go in a gym again. And then you get sucked right back in because you. There's something that gravity. Yeah. It's like a fire, uh, firefly to the light. It's like, I can't yes. help myself.
1: Right. I know. And I have two little girls. So oh. of course, like, <laughs> you know, what did I buy before they were born? Tiny leotards. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh. And they're the cutest when there's all those little athletic clothes that are oh, like little cabbage patch doll size. Oh, so oh cute. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I have this, I have a little two-year-old who still, yeah, it's, oh. it's so fun. But so I was the gymnast. Who was what we, what we affectionately called the head case. Mm. So I was the kid who um, I started a little late. So I was too tall and I was too old and I was too nervous, basically, None for gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That was sort of that was my identity as a gymnast, but, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I was you know, decently good at it, I would say, for, ha- for having all my setbacks that I had decided that I had. Did um, you decide
0: and, that, or where? Do, I mean, you don't just go into a gym and decide I'm too old, too tall, and too late. Like I'm just curious,
1: where do you? I'm sure it was the you know the culture. Yes. It's like if you are not seven years old and level seven, then well, honey, nice try. Thanks yes. for coming. Yes. Um, I so I was always. Spoken.
0: It's like mm. an unspoken rule that you're not allowed to really get very far if you start at this age, which I think yeah.
1: is- Yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many stories of late starters, but, but so that was my story. And then I- I had my first level four gymnastics meet and I shook so bad on beam that I think I got like a five, three, because I was wobbling from, from the shakes the whole time mm-hmm. and it was terrifying and I did not love competition. Um, but I loved when it went well. So I was, I was kind of hit or miss. Sometimes mm-hmm. I nailed it and sometimes I shook myself off the beam. And then in the gym, you know, I'd go and I'd win beam and then I'd come back and I couldn't do my back walkover anymore mm. or I couldn't do my back answer anymore. And it got, it got so frustrating. And I had one coach that was really sweet and loving and was like, oh, it's okay. Do you need a spot here? We'll do the magic one finger spot again. And I needed that one finger spot like so much. And she just would give it to me and I would go. And then I had the other coach who was her younger sister, who was like, Rebecca, just go or get off my beam, do another rope climb. And So eventually I, I fell out of love with it. And, um, and as I was choreographing my level seven routine, I, I just decided I, if it's this scary at six, I cannot do seven. Mm. And then I immediately started coaching because I still, I still loved it. I literally immediately started coaching at 15 as much as I possibly could. I loved every minute of it. Mm -hmm. And then I had the kids that would lose their back handspring on beam. And I was like, okay, I'll give you the one finger spot or do it or get off my beam, go to a rope climb. Like I did all the things and none of it solved the problem.
0: You're like, wait, well, it didn't really work for me either. So I get it.
1: Shocker. It didn't, it didn't work for me. Why would it work for these kids? Right. And I have like a couple of kids in my history that I I feel like I failed them and that Mm -hmm. they quit because they lost the fun because I could not figure out how to coach them on beam. Oh, you know, which is a lot to put on yourself as a, you know, 24 year old coach or whatever. But I was like, Oh, I failed these kids. And Mm -hmm. so then my, my whole focus in grad school was I need to solve this problem. I need to figure this out. Cause I can't just let this be the thing that destroyed my career and made me a bad coach and all this stuff. And so I started to study it and that's been, that's been my, like my whole, my whole reason basically is to prevent that 14 year old kid from going, oh, I just don't love it anymore. Even though obviously I still loved it. I still love it.
0: You yeah. Know? So tell me what you find with kids these days, as far as when you say, when you have a mental case.
1: <laughs> I know you don't like the word mental block. I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know that. Good. You've heard I some do. of my, yes. Some yes. Of my yeah. things. I don't believe in mental blocks, but beyond that, when you have somebody who comes to you with a mental case case tell us a couple of things that you suggest to them give us some ideas of how you help them mm-hmm.
1: Everybody, so i love a, I'm open i know it. i use the i use the word mental block just like for shorthand but it's the for me it's not about it's not like curtains the end you're blocked <laughs> goodbye sorry you're broken which is yeah. what it feels like yes for me it's more like you have had a dip in confidence mm-hmm. and that is not it's not permanent it's not linear mm-hmm. and what i've noticed is that confidence is a multifaceted thing That you can you can walk into the gym one day and it's your birthday and your coach is in a really good mood and you got to play a game at Mm warm-up, and then you're like killing it on bars, and then you go to beam and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the skill and it's so easy. Yay, I love today. And then you go literally the next day, and you didn't eat lunch and you had a bad night's sleep because you're up too late because it was your birthday, Mm -hmm. and then your friend was being a jerk and didn't call you, and you know, all of the and then your coach looked at you one a weird way, and all of a sudden you're freezing up on your skills. Right. And, and you're like, oh no, not again. This is bad. I'm broken. Oh no. How, how is this happening again? And you make this whole drama about it, mm-hmm. which then your, your mind and your body are doing the dance of like, oh, time to freeze up. This is not safe. Oh no, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then instead of going like, there's a block, the curtains have fallen, I'm toast. You just go, okay, we got to figure out, we got to collect some data here. You know, Like Mm -hmm. you look at your good day and you go, all right, what set me up for that? Mm -hmm. And you look at your not so good day and go, okay, what set me up for that? And instead of just feeling like the reason is because I'm broken and I'm terrible and awful and I'll never be better, I'm too tall, I'm too old, I'm too scared and my brain is broken. You go, well, no, there are clues that we can collect along the way from the good and from the bad. And they're equally valuable. So if I could go back to level four beam and go, okay, what was happening in my mind, in my environment that made me shake uncontrollably and take from that and then go to the, you know, the, the time in Vegas and level six, when I won beam, like, and you know, I I know we can all remember all those, (laughs) those critical competitions and go, okay, so this is what worked oh, I was not paying attention. We were running late. I wasn't worrying. I, I had a good breakfast. My coach wasn't putting extra pressure on me. It didn't really matter. I focused on it like practice. You sort of figure out for you and every human has different, different things that affect their confidence. Mm-hmm. But you figure out, you get a little better idea of what those consistently are for you. And that gives you control over it. that, that confidence.
0: I found that a lot of confidence has to do with, uh, with feeling safe. Mm-hmm. And that safety is also an emotion that we kind of make up in our head too. I mean, confidence is just a matter of, it's just another emotion, right? But I feel like for athletes, if you feel like the environment is safe, that you're around people who don't judge you, don't compete against you, against you as much. When you're in, a, in a, like a gym that you know, equipment that you, you feel safe because you think safe thoughts, like I know what this, I know what to expect. So when you say, what's the difference between shaking off beam and winning beam? My thought is you probably felt a little more safe in the environment of of winning beam. But that's just one of my thoughts is I really feel a lot of things for athletes is it has to do with safety. Do I feel safe in this situation? And if I'm thinking that I do, I'm going to perform pretty well. When I'm in a group where everybody's singing happy birthday to me and everybody thinks I'm the best person in the world, it's just my day to shine. I feel pretty safe emotionally. So that's, I'm going to perform different, actually more safety, safely when I feel safe, which is interesting. Mm, anyway,
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And it, and it explains why athletes have switched gyms and then get their skills back.
0: <laughs> it's so magical.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. And there's so many who are like, well, my coaches yell at me and I always am in trouble and um, I get sent out of beam and I get put on, you know, like, and but it's, but I'll try harder you know? And...
0: Okay. I have one for you. So I one for,
1: <laughs> Cause I was just talking to somebody about this.
0: I want to hear the difference than what you think about tough love versus mm-hmm. bullying. Cause I hear parents all the time saying, Hey, this coach is bullying my athlete. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you see on that, that topic.
1: Ooh, you can get my heart pounding on this one, Amy. <laughs> I mean, so my, my thought is that it's the, the culture and environment of the sport of gymnastics and a lot of youth sports, not just gymnastics, but I see it in figure skating. I see it in cheer. I see it in swimming. I see it in you know, a lot of individual sports because that's sort of where I'm immersed. But that, that idea that if you just ride them, you get better results. And mm-hmm. I worked with a swim team who they were coached by coaches who had coached Olympians. And, you know, it was this prestigious swim club and the coaches were really fantastic and they got great results. And one of the coaches, his idea was, um, we're going to motivate them by, you know, like they get this swim cap, they get to wear if they have gotten these cuts. And if they don't, then they don't. And he created sort of this like haves and have nots, Mm -hmm. you know, the good ones and the, eh, not quite. And his theory was, these yeah. kids will chew off their left foot to get that swim cap, so they're going to be really motivated, and this is helping them. And he really believed this is helping these kids. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm seeing you know the half of the kids who don't have that swim cap who didn't qualify or who aren't fast enough. Their motivation is sinking, their passion is dying, and every time they get in that pool and they have their you know not that one cap on. The generic- they their confidence is down. They feel less safe, like you said. They feel less capable. They feel like the coach doesn't believe in them. So I think that the the tough love works for about ten percent of athletes. You I think, think it
0: really does, though. I so this is part that throws me off, Rebecca. Do you think tough love really works? Period.
1: So I would say in 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 this in a certain situation. So the okay. athletes who are um, who are very self aware. Who are very sensitive? Who are intelligent? Who are maybe more cautious? Maybe more prone to anxiety? Tough love absolutely never works. Never. Mm-hmm. Okay. The kid that it might work for is the kid who literally is not trying. <laughs> who is who? Their their focus is naturally a little more aloof. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they yeah, but maybe they're actually literally being lazy. Mm-hmm. And there, um, it could be attentional issues. Also, would probably need to be considered here. And of course, like I'm going to say, tough love and bullying are two different things. Like for they're very different. Some kids, like I've um, guys. I hate to t- overgeneralize, it. when I work with guys, more often I would get, I'd end up in these situations where they're like, "Yeah, I could work harder, but I don't." And I'm like, "Cool, okay, sounds like you got it all set." And they're like, "No, I could work harder." And I'm like, "Okay, well." you know where the girls are like i just need to try harder i just need to work harder if i do that then i'll please my coach mm-hmm. where sometimes the you know this other type of personality mm-hmm. actually thrives on a coach being like i believe in you get your butt in the water and swim like you mean it
0: yeah yeah but i think the idea <laughs> that you're you're saying like bullying and tough love they're very different mm-hmm. and i kind of think when i say does tough love really work what i guess i'm trying to say is i think tough love the part that works is a trust in there. There's yes. some culture of, I trust that the coach actually is looking out for me mm-hmm. and not just trying to win as a coach to save his job. Yes, right. for his
1: ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is so much ego in coaching. Yeah, and when that's, the, when that's the driving force of like, you get in that water and you swim and you make me look good versus girl, I, I see you. I know what you have in you. I know your potential. I saw you in practice. I believe in you. Let's let it shine.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you can get in their face and you can mm-hmm. love them through strong, powerful, loud words and they know that you actually care about them. So when it's tough love, there's just another tweak in my head where there's, there's tough love and then there's the tough love where they just feel like you are actually there for them and then there's mm-hmm. bullying. Now bullying I have a little bit of a problem with because I haven't actually, enc- I've encountered a couple um, friends who have had kids who I would say yes, that is what I would define as bullying. But when I, I haven't had very many clients to me where I would go, for me, I'm not going to tell them either way. I, I don't tell my clients what, what they should or shouldn't do. But when I say, tell me the facts, tell me what's actually going on. That's where I, I really have to figure out there. It seems like there's a big gray area there.
1: Yeah, it is. And I mean, I'm, I come from the, the, the perspective of. Like there's the culture of gymnastics is unacceptable yeah. that the, the way that it, the way that it is operating, there are little shifts. There mm-hmm. are, you know, one coach at a time, one, one organization, one gym at a time, the cultures are changing. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot, I have heard so many, so many things that athletes have told me, you know, that their coach says, if you don't, if you can't get this bar routine, you're going to go flip burgers at McDonald's. Like what, why am I wasting my time on you? Oh my goodness. what yeah. What? A 12 year old who, you know, the, the sweetest little sweetie pie who, you know, just this coach just, that's the way that they interact with their athletes.
0: Well, and why do you think the coach would say that? That's where I I like to go to curiosity. Like, what is it that causes them to say things that you're like, come on, you don't mean to say that. That's not what you're trying to really get out of this. Mm -hmm. What do you think causes a coach to say phrases like, you're not worth it to me?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. What do you think causes that? You know, it's I have to go back to my experience, which is it's probably the way they were coached.
0: Exactly. It's a very traditional thing. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what else to do. I don't have my own management tools. I'll yeah. just pull out the ones that my coach used on me and see if they work and they don't usually.
1: Yeah. If they
0: didn't work on you, they're probably not going to work on the next child, but they don't have mm-hmm. as many tools to yeah. know what to do in those moments. And mm-hmm. so we get mad at the coaches who I think a lot of times are trying their best. Mm. I just don't have all the tools. And then there's these cute kids, these youth who are like, really, I'm never going to be anything. So it's just such a little bit of a mess Mm -hmm. there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I think even if they, even if they, yes. And I try to, you know, have these, have these kids who are like, you know, 13 year old, like have compassion. Your coach does not get it. (laughs) Like that's got to be so hard for them to be there and not know how to help you. Like that's hard. And when they have and, like
0: Rebecca, who's like, I'll win on beam. And then next, the next week, I'll be able to do a walkover on beam. Like those, no. are those moments where coaches are like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Yeah. But, I know but I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. I better yes. tell them that they better go. Otherwise their life is ruined. Cause mm-hmm. that seems like that's
1: logical. <laughs> yeah. But what I like the, if I have any message for any, any family in any way, like oriented with youth sports, it's mm-hmm. that. Yes, we can have compassion, but no, it is not okay. It no. is not okay to speak to athletes that way. It's not okay to speak to children that way. Right. I mean, these children, especially at the age of you know, 12, 13, 14, they are, they are little sponges. They
0: are.
1: they are taking in every word. They're taking in every look. And they look to these coaches. They see these coaches more than they see their own parents. Oh my gosh. They are- they're being raised by these people. So when they walk out of the doors on their final day of training, whether that's after a successful college career, whether that's at level six, you know, when they walk out the doors for my daughters, at least I want them to walk out and go, I gave it a good try. I'm a good person. You know, I don't want them to walk out and be like, I'm a failure. I was a waste of space. Mm. ugh.
0: I think it's really important to teach when, when we teach these, cause you work with athletes. I really have a passion with teaching the tools to the coaches and to the parents Mm -hmm. too. But I think if we can help the athletes see that coaches say words, just like maybe they say words and it feels terrible. Like you're saying they're in a very impressionable stage. It is not okay to lose your (laughs) emotional control in front Mm -hmm. of an athlete. That's just not okay. However, when you do, There's a lot of things that that can happen. And I think the more we teach the athletes and the coaches emotional tools, the better athletes will be able to go, whoa, like I know that coach didn't say that because of me. He was saying those things because he's feeling insecure. He's feeling unsafe. He's feeling doubtful in himself in what he's gonna do to solve for this problem. That has nothing to do with me. So if we can keep separating those two, it doesn't mean that it's okay ever, but it does mean that there's a lot more compassion where we can actually help each other become the best versions of ourselves, not just because we can flip. Because, I mean, you're, you're, you've learned lessons because you did some gymnastics, but you've also learned lessons because you believed you were too old, too tall, too late, too, you know, yeah. too stand on beam. You learn lessons from that too, and it helped you be more compassionate for kids who feel like they want to quit. Right? It's all a process. But I think the coaches have to understand that, okay to not be perfect. It's also yes. okay for them to understand that. It's also okay to say I was wrong and yes. the same for the athletes and the parents. It's a whole community.
1: Mm-hmm. That apps like you, you took the words right out of my mouth that, that I had this like tyrannical stepdad and mm-hmm. all, and all I wanted was just to, for him to come in and be like, dude, that was, that was, that was lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, Jeez. For him just to have said like, hey, sorry that got so heated, you know, so I, so then I learned from that, I can have compassion knowing that sometimes I'll lash out at my kids because I'm frustrated or, and then I can go, buddy, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? And my five-year-old could be like, mom, I'm so sorry I got frustrated and we'd have a hug. And I'm like, that in coaching, that in parenting, that's the move, you know, and athletes too to go, sorry I had through that fit coach. That was a little... That was a little weird, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And then you can hug it out or, you know, COVID times, you can like air five. right? (laughs) And and like that, but those little repairs Mm -hmm. in the relationship allow everybody to not be perfect and to be human, Mm -hmm. create the communication necessary to create the safe environment where everybody can thrive. The coach can thrive because they don't feel like they have to, oh, I got to look good all the time. I got to be perfect all the time. And the athlete doesn't feel like they have to be perfect. There's this this communication of like, oops, wasn't perfect again. Love ya Try again. Yeah. Well, and there are boundaries for sure.
0: And like you're saying, I think a lot of it, everything in life has to do with relationships. If we can learn that, you know, the things that we respond to and react to, to me, come out of our own fear about us. Our, our situ- the coach might get fired if he doesn't get any wins this year. And he's like, in desperation, yelling at you, please, like, show up a little bit more, get beyond on time, try a little harder out of his own fear of mm-hmm. losing his job, right? And he's the provider for his family. And there's just these things like the athlete is trying so hard to love the sport that they started because they loved flipping, because they loved doing this, not because of any expectation other people had for them. They're just loving being there. So they don't want to have to show up all the time because they just, like you, we gravitate to something we love. And it's just an appreciation for everybody's perspective, but it also develops relationships in a way that's not blaming and useless and disconnecting. And I think if we can be a little more understanding of the space of, you know, it's not easy being a coach. In fact, somebody said to me recently, he really thinks that any parent of an athlete should have to volunteer to be a coach in some way before they allow their athlete to be a competitive athlete. And every coach should have to parent some kids before they can go be approach to kids because it really changes perspectives, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I feel the longer I coached, the more I realized I didn't know. Mm. My last year coaching was the year that I realized I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> I've done this for 15 years and I know, I know nothing about what I'm doing here. It, but that in itself is just like this opportunity to open your mind and go, okay, maybe there is a better way to teach a back handspring or maybe there is a better way to interact with an athlete who's not feeling confident. Maybe there is a different way. Mm -hmm. That I think, um, and same with athletes who are, if they're like, well, it has to be this way. Well, maybe there's a different way. Yeah, maybe we're all wrong. (laughs) Maybe we're all wrong and there's an even better way than any of us have come up with yet. And if we're in this safe spirit of collaboration, Mm -hmm. we can come to that together. Let's go find it. We're not all blaming
0: each other for a lack of success. We're finding ways to be able to make everybody better and lift each other as a gym, as a team, as a coach, as an athlete. I love it. I think there's so much to be said for the tools that are out there and trying to get them in the hands of everybody instead of keep thinking the athletes need this. And the parents are like, my athlete doesn't have time. What do you encounter when you, what are the resistance things that you find from coaches and parents and athletes when it comes to
1: working on their mind? Yes. So I, so I have this membership community that's based, that's for athletes and their parents. And over the last five years, as we've developed it, I have had to redo it and redo it and redo it based on the needs of the athletes. Cause you know, it started out as a parent community and the parents are like, well, I don't want to teach this to my kid. You teach them. So <laughs> then I started doing live trainings for the kids and then we still have the parent group. And then they're like, well, the, ch- the it's all too long. It's too much. And so then I did these little snippets and now we have challenges for kids. So they do a challenge a week. It's like five to 10 minutes. I designed it so they could do it in the car Mm -hmm. on their way to practice. They have their little skill of the day, their little thing of the day. And that way they can do it in little bites because that's sometimes all you have is a teeny, teeny little bite of time. Mm -hmm. And then the parents have this like little cute, tiny little course they can take that's so fast Mm -hmm. and just sort of like, like teaches them as quickly as possible, how to like with the do's and don'ts of sport parenting, yeah. because it has to be, I mean, I have two little kids. I run a business. Like I have no time. Everyone can easily say, well, it's another story. Like I'm too tall, too old. I have no time, <laughs> but, but we all have no time. So that it's just like, has to be in the little teeny itty bitty bits. If you can do anything a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's just like, I'm all about baby steps. Mm-hmm. My whole, my, everything is about baby steps because it was, it's so all or nothing. Like it has to be perfect or nothing. Yes. And, and so this, if you get a little better, you know, if you are, if you're doing a hundred percent the wrong thing today, then maybe tomorrow you'll do 99% the wrong thing and you're doing great. <laughs> you know, well, then we're getting there and we get, and we get to throw a party and thumbs up and like, good job. Let's try some more. Start where you are. Just get a little better. Love and then it. And then that's a journey of life, right?
0: That is the journey of life, just the baby steps. And mm-hmm. I love that you talked about perfection because that's a huge one. The parents want the kids to be, per- we get in gymnastics, it's crazy. The kids are so young getting these nine O's, not just nine O's, nine, five, nine. Six, and I look at it going, wait, where, where did the numbers five, six, seven, and eight go in the judging? No,
1: wow. I saw a lot of those when I was competing. <laughs> now it's all, it's all right. it's nines. So-
0: if they don't get a nine, at least. Even a nine zero is so disappointing. And so the level of perfection is starting at a younger age as far as the perfection of getting 10-0, that idea. So I know that you talk to athletes about perfection. Let's just end with that. Give us a couple of things that you would suggest. I know you said baby steps. The idea of, hey, 100% is right here and it's 100% mm-hmm. wrong. I love that idea. But tell us maybe a couple more things on that
1: before we end because of time. But yeah. Yeah. So I like to think of it like, like you're climbing a ladder. So if you have a goal, you're climbing a ladder. And when you reach your your goal, you're at the top of the ladder. And so you're right now, let's say you're at the bottom of the ladder, then you got to climb up to the top. So a lot of of athletes who subscribe to this perfectionism, which I call myself a recovering perfectionist, I still battle with the tendencies. um, They would consider that every rung on that ladder is failure because success is at the top. The whole ladder is failure and success is at the top. Mm -hmm. And if you're not at the top, you're failing. Mm. And so if you, you know, if you're trying to get your back handspring on the high beam and you're on the medium beam, you're failing. Totally. Just no, so wait. extreme. Like, doesn't it sound, it sounds ridiculous me saying it, but I say it to these 12 year olds and they're like, yeah, yep. Yeah, medium beam is failing. Low beam is definitely failing. Low beam yeah. with panel mat's like so failing. I will to go on to a new move, right? Like why, why try? Why am I even here? A waste of space. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you can be at the bottom of the ladder and then climb a rung and go, woohoo! I made it a rung. I think we missed the dance. You said
0: that they have this dance earlier. I just remember um, earlier, you said something about how, um, oh, what did you say? How everybody, like you're creating your mind and body do a dance. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget, like you're saying every run, we forget to party. Mm -hmm. I almost think we need to make a mandatory um, like gym or team dance whenever somebody has some little success. Because when you just said that, I'm like, that's one thing that we didn't do. So what? You're on the medium beam. Get on the high beam, right? Yeah. Are
1: you on the high beam yet? Why do you still have that mat there? Do you really need that mat? What? No, you don't need a sting mat. Like- <laughs>
0: I'm standing there again. Okay. This is the last time. Right? Magic
1: finger spot. Are you kidding me?
0: keep going because I just imagine this all getting to the next rung and the whole gym dancing when you get to the next rung. Like- yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Okay. So I have this like, little, little itty bitty example of um, there's a girl who's trying to get her back walk over on the low beam. And she put panel mats against the beam and she could not get her hands on the beam. They would always go on the panel mats. And so her coach got so frustrated with her. Like, I don't know, it's been two weeks. Why are you not putting your hands on the beam? And the girl's frustrated with herself. She's like, I don't know why. I don't know why. So I go over and I, I was observing the, the team at the time I go over and I was like, well, why don't you get your hands just a little closer? Like, yeah, they're still on the panel mats, but why don't you just get them like a teensy bit closer to each other? And so she did. And I was like, yes, you did it. That was awesome. And she was like, what? Like my hands are not even on the beam. I was like, that was great. That was better. Right. And she's like, yeah, it was better. She tries again, I'm like just a teeny bit closer. Like they don't even have to get on the beam. Just get them a little closer. She did. We're like, oh my gosh, you are, look how close you are to the beam. And she's like, Ooh. And then she gets all excited. Right. Instead of being like two fails, she was like two successes. Mm -hmm. The next one, they get a little closer. Now her thumbs are on the beam and she's freaking out excited. (laughs) And literally two more tries and she's doing them on the beam, hands together. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, this is that's all it takes is you have to celebrate every rung on the ladder, not just the top rung. Otherwise, the this sport is too dang hard <laughs> for you to not celebrate. Every bit of progress, and it goes for kids who have, you know, oh my gosh, this is your <laughs> It goes for kids who are there may be re- relearning skills after injury, relearning skills after a confidence blow. You too, have to celebrate the low beam and the medium beam and the high beam with eight mats and the one finger spot. You have to.
0: In whatever sport you're in, this isn't exactly. obviously just gymnastics that like mm-hmm. you said, in injuries and confidence lows, and things like that and things the coach told you that you chose to take personally, mm-hmm. the coach was just blowing off his own steam and you're like, I am terrible. I've never, you know, those low runs where you go to wait, maybe I'm not such a bad
1: athlete. That's a moment of celebration. Yes. Okay. And what if the top of your ladder was? I am not fazed by anything my coach says. I don't let anything negative in. I only let the good stuff in. And so you get a little closer and are a little less offended and a little, and take it a little less personally.
0: I love it. I love the latter. I love the idea. Cause I definitely love embracing the idea of failure, but we have such a weird idea of failure. So I love the idea of, Hey, let's just make every single step a success. That sounds a lot of fun, right?
1: Oh my gosh. Wouldn't it be more fun that way <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then, like every six months you get a new skill, you feel good. And then you're back to failing for another six months. Ooh.
0: back to the failure time. That's so fun. I love it. Hey, thank you. I love that tool. And I hope you guys who are listening, not just you athletes, you coaches, you parents, do you know what's a win for, a pa- oh, I was going to give an example, but Rebecca, tell us a win, like a happy dance win for a parent on a ladder, trying to coach an athlete. Mm-hmm. Cause it's hard to be a parent of athletes. Oh
1: yes. Okay. So I I always um I tell parents less is more. Less <laughs> is more. So for you, biting your tongue, mm-hmm. that's a happy dance moment. Stand up you and dance. Stand up and dance. And your kid's like, what are you doing? You're like, don't worry, I just had a big win. I, like I didn't ask about the skill. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I didn't first talk about the thing I noticed that didn't go well. When, yeah. you know, Did I skill last week. What, what's happening here? Right. Did you make your back walkover today? <laughs> love you. Go get go get your tumbling today, kiddo. Love you. It's like I didn't say that. Hooray! Win.
0: I love the less is more. Mm-hmm. That is a huge win. I know because I've had athletes, and you you have little ones that are going to probably be maybe going down the gymnast route. I know. <laughs> And it is hard when you can see their potential not to kind of comment on, hey, I know you got a little more in What's going on? It, with mm-hmm. a smile, as if you sincerely think that they're in the mood to hear that there's something not quite right.
1: So they I know. Think, <laughs>
0: they know. They already know. I think it's a beautiful idea to do your own ladders, to do your own little wins as parents. Mm-hmm. Because it's part of the plan, too, like between the whole community. The parents have a, a path to, to travel, too, with this.
1: And if you catch yourself being that mom, (laughs) then to go, (laughs) sorry, kiddo, did it again. Exactly. I'll try, I'll try better next time.
0: Love it. Well, Rebecca, thank you. Okay, Rebecca, tell us how people can find you. And, and we've heard a little bit about what you do and just, just tell us what, what, they need to know, but they want
1: to yes. So if you want to find out more, you want to um, join in, we have a free Facebook group called sport confidence accelerator. Would love to have you. It's for families of, of young, young or young ish athletes. And we give free tips and all kinds of good stuff um, just to support families through this time. That's the best way to find me. Or you can find us on the website, Completeperformancecoaching.com. performance
0: Love it. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you for your time today.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been
0: a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at AthletesMindsetAcademy.com. Let's do this.